This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Welcome. This week we're discussing Parshas Matlis. Uh, the particular mitzvah, just about the only one of the tag mitzvahs which is discussed in this parsha, um, is related to the mitzvah of Nidurim and Shavuos, which is discussed elsewhere also. But this uh, particular parsha talks a lot about the idea that um, if a person makes a nader, specifically if a woman makes a nader, if she is um, underage um, and her father finds out about the nader, he has the capability to annul it. And likely if a husband finds out that his wife made a nader and he finds out about it the same day, he can also annul that, that nader. So she doesn't actually obligated by it. Um, but the whole issue of Nidurim is a very fascinating mitzvah because what we're saying basically is that a person could take just about anything and make a mitzvah out of it that doesn't exist in the Torah. So it tells us just with that understanding alone, we understand a few very important uh, principles. Number one, that our speech is an extremely important thing. It um, has the capability of, uh, of putting us in a position of in other words, simply by taking on something with dibber, with, with the, the power of our speech, all of a sudden we become obligated to do something with the koyach of a mitzvah, as if Hashem himself gave us that mitzvah. Meaning that now, just as with any other mitzvah, if we do it, if we carry it, carry it through like we uh, intended to do, then we get schar, we get uh, we get rewarded for that. And on the other hand, if we don't follow through with what we promised to do by taking on the nader, um, then we would um, be punished for doing so. And in fact, it's. Uh, According to Chazal, it's a very strict punishment. Uh, it's not to be taken lightly, in other words. And the whole issue of doing what you said you were going to do or doing what you've taken on, uh, following through with your promises, uh, is an extremely important issue. What's interesting is, is that in the same parsha, we also have the uh, story about B'nai Gad, B'nai Ruven, the two Shvatim that decided that they are better off uh, taking land on the on the um, east side of the Yarden, instead of going into Eretz Yisrael to um, take a portion in the in Eretz Yisrael itself, this is you know before entering into Eretz Yisrael, and of course that was uh, very uh, severely questioned by Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, that he was, uh, you know, saying how how you talking and how is it possible that you're going to uh, you're not going to follow together with your brothers 
uh, that are, you know, putting themselves in danger or whatever to um, to take over the land, and you're just going to stay stay over here because uh, you found that it's good land for grazing. And you definitely have to. Uh, I mean, this this is a serious thing that's comparable to the, 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 the uh, by the Miraglim. The spies said that uh, you know we can't. Uh, Succeed going into Israel, and uh, that led to the whole forty years of uh, wandering the desert. And then now you're not going to go. Now you're refusing to go in and, and fight to uh, to conquer the land. So they responded by promising that they would indeed go out, go go into the land, and uh, and and participate in the conquest. And only afterwards would they come back to their families. Uh, that they're leaving the Chutzlaritz uh, to inherit this land. But in any case, it's a, they take on a, a Tznai. Now, in that case, it's not called a Nader because it's a, it's a conditional thing. You know, if it's, they're promising to do something, and if this, then this. You know, that, that uh, uh, if, they're, if they promise to go in to the land together with everyone else and only come back after the conquest then they should be allowed to take on this land, even though it's not part of Eretz Yisrael itself. And it's a conditional thing. But in any case, they're making a commitment which they're expected to follow through on, and they're being counted on to, to, to you know, follow through with what they're saying, which is similar to the idea of a native. When a person makes a promise, and they take on a commitment, uh, specifically with the wording of it being a native, a shavuot, depending on what's, uh, what's appropriate, then they have to follow through because the kedusha of the word of the of the, the aspect of dibber is a very serious thing. So that's another aspect. That's uh, well, one of the aspects, rather, of of uh, that we learn out from the the, uh, the mitzvah of neder itself. Another very important mitzvah that we uh, an aspect of mitzvahs in general that we see by the very fact that there is such a mitzvah of neder is that there is to some extent a personalization of um, of avoidance Hashem, of serving Hashem, which means that we can't always just rely on what everybody else is doing. In other words, it's, when, you talk, when you take avoidance Hashem seriously, when you're really trying to serve Hashem the way we're supposed to, then you realize that each individual has their own... Um, Issues, their own personality and their own tachlis, so to speak, uh, their their reason why uh, they're here and, and what they're supposed to accomplish within their uh, their lives, and that means that there are aspects that they have to go beyond what uh, everybody else has to do, and it may be uh, to take on something extra, or it could be to uh, uh, prevent themselves or to, to assert themselves from doing something, to, to uh, not to do something everybody else is able to do, but they're not. And the, the classic example of that is, uh, for example, a person who uh, has alcoholic tendencies, you know, uh, which could be any kind of really addictive personality, and um, even a very small exposure to something like alcohol uh, could really cause major problems for them, whereas most people would not be sensitive to that. So if they take on the nader, then that's a way of giving themselves chizik, you know, a special, uh, uh, an extra 
obligation. It's not just uh, that they whether they feel like it or not, but they are actually legally obligating themselves that they are not allowed to touch any kind of alcohol. And the fact that they make it such a serious thing psychologically for themselves makes it easier to prevent themselves from falling into that trap. So this is something they take on because they realize they have a weakness that is not necessarily true of everyone else. Whereas, um, on the other hand, they may find in certain situations that uh, they want to go beyond the call of duty. The whole idea of a, of a nozer, for example, is also this idea that he's, he's taken on, on himself extra restrictions that are not shy to everyone else uh, because he wants, or for whatever reason, that's, you know, it's a personal thing. It's, it's a kind of an outgrowth of, this, of the same concept of a nader. You know, it's, it's not exactly the same, but it's, it's, it has its own rules. But, it's, but a, a nozer is an example of that concept that you can go beyond the call of duty or you can go beyond the obligation to do something extra. So the, the point is that if it was not such, there was no such thing as there being some individuality to our obligation of ourselves, our responsibility actually, to look at ourselves as being, you know, what are our personal requirements, going beyond just the you know, idea of, oh, mitzvah is the same for all of Klai Soul. If that, didn't, if that concept didn't exist, then there would be no such thing as a need at all. But because there is such a concept that we do have an obligation, then um, we do have um, this, this concept of making a nader. Now, because it is such a serious thing to, that if a person uh, you know, does, is not able to uh, carry it on, carry out what they said they were going to do, that it's considered to be such a serious thing, even more, perhaps more serious than a regular mitzvah, and since it's not obligatory on the person to begin with, so why is he putting himself in that danger of, of, of uh, saying something and not doing it. So we are always instructed to say bli nader. You know, the, the person should say bli nader, and we have the whole thing with Torah Sindurim, Rosh Hashanah, and, and uh, you know, Kol Nidre, and all of these things because we are Davka trying to uh, prevent that from happening under any circumstances. Because again, it's not necessary. I mean, it's not obligatory. So why are you putting yourself in that position of of, of putting a, you know an extra possibility of doing an extra vera that that's not even there on the books? So even though, as we say, there is this obligation to look at what 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 do I have to expect for myself that's different than than the klal. Uh, at the same time, we should take all possible measures not to you know impulsively. Fall, uh, uh, impulsively take on a nader that we're not able to, uh, we're not able to fall. That it, even there's a possibility that we may not be able to carry it out 100. Um, percent And then it's you know it's it once you took it on, then you've got to keep doing it no matter what, unless you are mocked the nader, and that's a, a whole process. That you have to go to a to a, you know three. Whatever all the, all the dinim involved in how to be maternator, which is possible to do in most circumstances, it is possible to be maternator. Uh, perhaps not all. There's <laughs> it's a whole list of, uh, of of criteria, but um, there is such a thing. Now, the fact that we're given that extra period, you know, within the same day, for example, to to for the, for the husband or the or the father to uh, annul. The uh, the nader of the woman or the girl um, means that you do have a chance to think it over. In other words, there's, there's, a, there's two things basically. The person 
this, this time period, you know, till sunset or whatever, is, is there so that um, you have that opportunity to think it over because the, the, the tendency is, by Nidurim, is that you, like, jump into it and you do it impulsively, like, I'm, I'm never going to do that again, or I'm, you know, I'm always going to do this, or, I'm never going to do this, or whatever, and it's kind of out of, a, out of an emotional uh, reaction. And uh, therefore, you need time to go back and say, well, did I really mean that? Can I really do that? You know, to, to think it over again, not just to, to, to uh, you know, not like, oh, I said it, wow, wow, why did I say that? You know, <laughs> you got to pull yourself back. So here you do have that, that opportunity to, to, uh, to think it over, second thoughts. Um, but um, on the other hand, it also, te- it also shows us that that there is a, a, a concept of, of responsibility of a father or a, or a spouse, you know, to to know what's good, what, what's good for the other person. Is what what can that other person, the person who made the nader, realistically handle? Is this something that that's, that's, and is it something that's really going to be good for them? I mean, you can make a nader about anything. You can make a nader like I'll, I'll never eat, I'll never I'll never eat by you again, or I'll never you know do this. I'll never you know have this interaction with you again, or whatever. I'll never speak to you again. You know that kind of thing, which is all generally out of cast, out of out of anger. Um, it's something that people do, you know, and then they make this promise to themselves, like whether it is technically a nader or not, um, you know, they, they feel obligated what they said, and that's a whole problem. And then, you know, it's very difficult sometimes to people uh, uh, say things like that, and then, you know, they could go like that for years, and then maybe it's very difficult to make a, a reconciliation. But it's all based, again, on this, this concept that, that what you say means something, you can't so easily just, you know, give a zug, as they say, you know, just, just say something and, and then, you know, forget about it because it, it makes an impression. It's, it's, it leaves an impression. You can't, you know, take it lightly what you say. Um, okay, so that's another major uh, thing that we learn out from this, um, from, from the whole idea that there is such a thing as Nidura. So um, there's this pasuk in the parsha that says "Lo yachel devoroi," that you shouldn't make your words chulin, so to speak. Chulin is the opposite of kodesh. It's holiness, and there's there's profane and there's holy, right? So if something is the, the, the words that we speak, especially in terms of Avodas Hashem, are holy, and those words have to be. Um, Chosen carefully, as we said, um, and the holiest in the words has to be appreciated and understand that this that 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 speech itself is not a uh, simple thing. It's not. It's 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 a thing that has intrinsically has the um, potential to be kodesh. And we learn this out from the fact that Hashem created the world with Dibber, the, the ten maimurus, the ten statements that with which the world was created. Hashem created the entire world with his speech. And then he took that speech and he put it into us human beings. You know, this, this is, the, 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 this, we have the doimem somea chai medaber, that which characterizes us as human beings is the fact that we can speak. And by giving us the Torah with Dibra, by speaking the, 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 the ten 
the Sesa Dibris, the Ten Commandments, that are also uh, characterized as Diburim, that they're that they're uh, statements, corresponds to the Ten Maimurim with which Hashem created the world. Meaning that there is a that for, for Jews specifically, because we receive the Torah through Dibur, and we speak the Torah through Dibur, and the whole. Torah is both received and, and executed through Dibber, and there are certain there are many mitzvahs that are specifically related to Dibber itself. That by a Yid, specifically by a Jew, it's it's a it's a particularly important uh, aspect. This concept of Dibber itself. So the Moranayim from the Menachem Shnobler has a, a long, long uh, commentary on this parsha, and. He says a few things there that I, I wanted to, uh, to expand on here. Um, one of them is this concept of the Kedusha of Dibber, that Hashem put his Dibber into all of us, into each of us. That means that his speech is in us, and we, and, and by using that speech which he gave us, we actually cling to him. We become unified with him through using that speech. In other words, to say that which he, which he said, or say that what he told us to say, or say the, the words of Torah and Tefillah, of, 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 of learning and davening. These are ways that we come together with Hashem. We unify ourselves with, with Hashem through the aspect of Dibber. It's not the same thing as just reading the words or just listening to the words or just understanding the words, the actual act of speech, and that's why many of these things we are only yoitze, we're only, we're only fulfill our obligation by actually saying the words. The saying of the words itself is considered to be, although it, you, know, you think of, of talking as being uh, not a real action, but it is considered to be an action on, on certain levels, that, that it, this is more than just listening, for example. You have to, you have to speak it, you have to talk it. This is why people, sometimes people daven without saying anything. There's even a, an idea of moving the lips, even if you don't have any sound coming out, like, you know, by the Silent Shemon Esri. It's still considered to be a dibbage simply by the fact that your lips are moving. But, but there's also an idea of hevel peeve, which is the idea of the, of the, the, uh, the wind, the idea of ruach, the idea of the movement of air, um, from, from the lungs, the vocal cords, whatever, that even if it's a whisper, that that's also constitutes a different element uh, than, than simply, again, reading things you know, with your eyes. So the, the, I, what we're talking about here is that, let's think of it like this. When you are alone with Hashem, okay, so if you want to have a relationship with Hashem, you want to have an interaction with Hashem, so, of course, you know, everybody thinks, oh, well, why doesn't Hashem talk to me? Why don't I hear Hashem talking? You know, <laughs> sometimes people think that uh, if they would hear Hashem talking to them, they might question if they're in their right mind or not. But um, the, it's, it is just like we have interaction with other people by having a conversation where I talk to him or her and... and him or her talks back to me, right? So that the whole thing is that there's interactions, there's a flow, there's, there's a, a conversation that's, that's one to the other. Now, there is a concept of having a conversation in your mind, um, which is also, you know, interaction. If you feel that Hashem is, 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 is by, 
And it's true. If you ask a question to Hashem and then you get a certain inspiration that you don't even know where it came from, so that can definitely be seen as Hashem answering you. Hashem is giving you the answer through whatever other medium it happens to be. It could be even through something you you learned or something somebody told you or whatever, and you think, oh, that's the answer I was waiting for. You know, it's, it's, that's, that feels like a real response. But let's say you just want to be alone with Hashem, right? You want to just be with Hashem. So how, so there's a very simple way, without expecting big answers and inspirations and things, there's a very, very simple way to feel really like you're doing something together with Hashem, like your mom is clinging to Hashem and, you know, in real time, is when you say the words of Torah or Tefillah or Tilim, whatever it is that you have in your mind, that it's as if Hashem is putting those words in your mouth and Hashem is speaking it together with you. And it was the words of Hashem. When you think of that, that you know, the, 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 it talks about the Shechina was speaking through the mouth of Moshe Rabbeinu. What does that mean? It means that these words were not coming from Moshe Rabbeinu. It was coming from Hashem through Moshe Rabbeinu. So, so those, those Dibuna are actually Hashem's Dibuna. So when we speak those words, the Torah and Philip, it could be from any of the Rabbanim or whatever. It's not their own thing. They didn't have the ideas. It's, it's, it's all coming from, we say, So we're saying the words of this one and that one, even if, even if there's a machloikas, even if they're saying two opposite things, they're both they're the words of, Hashem, of the living God, right? So that means that those are Hashem's words. So when we speak those words, even David Amalek is, is, is crying out to Hashem, right? He's praising Hashem, whatever he's doing. He is, those words are ultimately the, the, the makor, the, the, the uh, first, uh, uh, the, 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 the source where it's coming from is Hashem himself. So when we then say those words, we are interacting with Hashem himself. We're saying Hashem's words. Together and, and together with him because it's his koyach that's giving us the, 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 the power, the life force to be able to say those words. So it really all comes back to Hashem and it's all really relating back to Hashem. Just one other idea that I wanted to say that he talks very much about in, in, uh, in Mornaim, and it's extremely fundamental, is um, that the other aspect of, of the uh, nader is that it can make just about anything into a mitzvah. Meaning that everything in the world, and we just talked about the fact that you know Hashem created the world with his with his dibber, with the, the, the kedusha, with the holiness of his of his speech. Meaning that everything in the world, every creation, has that holiness from Hashem in it. That's what's keeping alive. It's it's, it's Hashem's uh, own kedusha that's keeping alive. That doesn't mean that everything in the world has, is mamish on the level of kedusha, but it all has because it's coming from Hashem. Therefore, it can be used as a dvar mitzvah. And, and, you know, the fact that the nader is, is, is capable to come from just about anything is, is confirms that fact. So the fact is that everything is coming from Hashem and everything was created for a purpose by Hashem. That means that everything has an aspect of Hashem in it and that we can find Hashem in just about anything. In anything. Everything. Because even if it's something we're not allowed to do, so that's, the, that's how it's fulfilling its purpose by our not doing it. So, so if that's the case, we can find... Hashem, which is the good in everything. So Narnaim says that if we really actively look for the positive in anything, that's how to find Hashem in that thing and to, and to connect to Hashem through that thing and to, to manifest Hashem through that thing. So, so instead of looking, it, it affects our perception. 
instead of looking at the negative in things or in people or in situations or whatever it, it, it can be, look for the positive. Very push it. And it was looking, think about this, you know, what does a person gain from looking at the negative? What does a person gain by putting somebody down or by, by you know, just stop criticizing people or looking at the negative side of the people? Everybody has a dark side. Everybody has a negative side that's there for a purpose that's there. To, so we should have Bechira that's there, that, you know, we should have free choice. It's all for a reason. But to, to emphasize that or to be Dabka, you know, looking at that aspect, the part of the person or the thing that I don't like, so then you're, you're just introducing negativity where it doesn't have to be. Sometimes it is more difficult to look for the positive than the negative. But we have a choice which side we want to, to emphasize and which side we want to connect ourselves with if we are going to be a negative person or a positive person. And it's the idea of being don the kafsis, if we're always judging on the basis of the negative then we're also violating, you know, what it says in Pirkeovas in various contexts with the idea of, you know, al tadines that you don't judge a person until you come to their place, till you've been mamish in their in their spot, and which is virtually impossible. So because you don't have the same background as them, and you don't have the same uh, mind as them, you don't have the same kalim. So how can you possibly, you know, be in the same place as they are? So if you don't judge somebody. And if, and if you even would judge, there's a mitzvah to be down the kafschis where you're judging for the, towards the positive. There's really no place for negativity at all. So, you know, we talk about you know, these times of, of, of the Bena Metsurim, the times between, you know, the three weeks between Shiva uh, Zapatamas uh, um, and Tishabov and all these terrible things that caused the, the, uh, the destruction of the Besamikdash and how we want Mashiach to come and everything else. This is perhaps one of the most core attitudes that a person can work on is to look at positive instead of the negative because when you look at the negative, it leads to you know, a, a groundless hatred of, of, of people. You know, I don't like that person. You know, there's no reason why I shouldn't like them. Never did anything to me, but I just don't like them. So you know, so you don't like them. So that's your problem. You know, but don't don't uh, don't judge them and don't you know. About them and everything else. There's, there's, this is this this you know fundamental attitude of looking at the positive in everything uh, as opposed to the negative. And uh, if we all really take that to heart, we talk about a real transformation that a person can experience that's going to uh, really change their own ex- their own experience of life and, and and you know how they affect those around them. And you know the, the person talking about the capability to bring Mashiach in our times, I just often that we should uh, be able to uh, internalize that. If you would like to contribute to the organization that produces these podcasts and see what else we're doing, access some of our other uh, materials, you can find that at nakuda.org. That's N-E-K-U-D-A-H. That is nakuda.org, and um, you can also have the option to email us and contribute to dedicate the podcast in memory or in honor of any occasion or in memory of some loved one or whatever, uh, and we'd be very happy to get that support. Thank you so much.